Would you turn, please, in the scriptures to First uh, Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. First Thessalonians four. We've been on a subject for some weeks now, and this has been our text. He said in First Thessalonians four and nine. He says, as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Said out loud, taught of God to love one another. He said, uh, indeed, you do it, do what? You love one another. Toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. He said, you're already doing it, but increase and do it more. Do what more? Love one another. Now, love is one of the most misunderstood, abused, misused words that there is. And virtually all Christians know love's important. You're supposed to love one another. But uh, many would be hard-pressed to define how to do that. And it's just a theory and an ideal that if you were a good Christian, you would aspire to and do. But nobody's perfect, and we all fall short, and da-da-da-da-da-da, excuses why we're not doing it. And a lot of what is preached in churches is just condemnation. You know you're supposed to love. You better love. You need to quit doing that and love. Love. You're supposed to love. You must walk in love. Love. And people will go, that's right. That's right. And we ain't doing it. And that's right. And feel bad and leave and not change. Say it out loud. Condemnation. Doesn't work. Feeling bad, feeling guilty, feeling ashamed simply doesn't work. God's not impressed with how bad you feel about something. And did you know feeling bad about something isn't repentance? You can feel terrible, you can despise yourself. For your shortcomings and failures and not repent. You can cry half a day about it and not repent. God's not interested in all that. He wants you to repent. What does repent mean? Change. Change. Repent means turn from something to something. You quit doing that, start doing this. And condemnation will not help you change. You're not condemned into doing better. You're inspired. You're encouraged. Hmm? If you've been weak and you keep falling and you keep failing, what needs to happen? You don't need to get more sorrowful because the joy of the Lord, your strength, so the depression and sorrow would be your weakness. The more sorrowful you are, the weaker you are, the further from doing it you are. Got to be encouraged. Got to get stronger. Somebody said, well, I, 
If you know a family member or if you know a friend, they just keep falling in the same area. They just keep messing up in the same place over and over and over again. And afterwards or the next morning or whatever, they just feel terrible and they're crying and they're ashamed. What do they need? They need to get stronger in their spirit. So they quit yielding to the flesh. What's going to help them to get stronger? Not condemnation. Hmm? They already feel bad. If feeling bad would help them do it, it would have changed a long time ago. Because they've been feeling bad. Feeling bad, feeling guilty, feeling ashamed puts you no closer to fixing it. The word does not condemn. The Spirit of God does not condemn. Sometimes you hear people say, boy, the Spirit of God really condemned me about that in the service this morning. That is incorrect. No, he didn't. He convicts. Sometimes, well, the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. Convict is a form of the word convince. He will convince you of what is right and what is true and what is good. Now, if you fall short of that, when you see in the light of what is true and right that you have fallen short, then 1 John talks about your own spirit condemning you. That's you, your own heart condemning you. Not God's not condemning you, your own heart is. But I've found that even when your own heart condemns you, He will encourage you. He will encourage you. So... In looking at this, I'm actually getting ahead of myself a little bit. But he said that God is teaching us how to love. And in in him revealing this to us, we see practical ways to put into practice the keeping of the commandment. What is the commandment? John 13, 34, 35. Let me remind you of it. John 13, 34, and 35. He said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. John 15. He said in verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Can you do it? Do you know how to do it? Well, God is teaching us how to do it. Say it out loud again. God is personally Teaching me how to love. I am taught of God how to keep the love command. Hallelujah. Are we encouraged by it? We should be. Luke 6, would you turn there please this morning. We've looked at a number of things. How to keep the love command. We saw love prefers We saw love does no harm. We saw that love covers, doesn't remember and remind of sin and failure. We saw love takes care of. Love edifies. Love gives. Love seeks another's good. And we saw last week, love rejoices. That actually, walking in love is the key 
to you being full of joy. And that if we really did rejoice over each other's victories and good, we'd always be rejoicing because somebody's always got something going on. Right? And maybe you didn't have that much going on today, but they do. And if you rejoice with them over their victory, and then they rejoice with you over your victory, what does that mean? We're rejoicing all the time. And the joy of the Lord's our strength means we're strong all the time. God's so smart. Oh, he's so smart. That's why he made this a command, not a suggestion. Because if we'd do it, we'd treat each other right. We wouldn't hurt anybody. We'd stay full of joy. Huh? Is he smart or or what? Oh, he's smart. Question is, are we smart? (laughs) Because if we are, we'll do this. Luke, the sixth chapter. Let's look at another way. Another area of how to keep the commandment of love. Luke 6. Are you believing with me this morning? Don't just uh, sit back and let me pull the train by myself. You you put your shoulder into this with me. Your faith shoulder. Right? Believe with me. Luke 6 and 27. Jesus is talking. He said, I say to you, which hear, love your enemies. Do what? Is Jesus talking about love here? Should we pay attention? How many believe this morning God himself can personally teach you some more about how to love? Are you ready? Then let's focus. Let's pay attention. Jesus is talking. Love your enemies. Can you do that? What would an enemy be? It's somebody that don't like you. I know it's hard to fathom. As wonderful as you are. But that somebody actually does not like you. Don't want to be around you. Actually wants to hurt you. Has tried to hurt you. Maybe has hurt you and caused you problems in the past. This is somebody that's an enemy to you. And what did he say? Love Love them. Now immediately, you hit a a problem with a lot of folks when you start talking about this. Because they think, how can I love them? When somebody does stuff like that to you, it doesn't make you want to love them. Well, see, you hadn't been coming to the services (laughs) and listening. (laughs) Or you'd know That that doesn't have much to do with it. Love is not a feeling. Love is a person. And love is a command. And you don't have to have any kind of warm and fuzzy feelings towards somebody to love them. Thank you for those two nods and those three amens. A little bit weak. See, we people all over the world, Christians included, think love is a feeling. And if I don't have this feeling towards you, then I can't help how I feel. That's a lie also. That's not true. Don't say that again. I can't help how I feel. That's a lie. Your feelings are results. Your feelings are fruit. Your feelings are the result of what you've let yourself think about 
and talk about. Hmm? Have you noticed it? Be honest with yourself. You know, the more you think about something and the more you talk about something, the stronger you feel about it. What if you quit talking and thinking about that and started talking and thinking about something else? Well, your feelings are going to change. Don't say, I can't help how I feel. Because you and I are the ones who choose what we allow ourselves to think on and talk about. But if the Lord commanded you to love somebody, you can do it by faith, even if they don't care for you, even if they've hurt you or tried to hurt you, it's an act of your will. It's a decision to obey the command. It's an order from the head of the church. Well, when the head or an officer in the military gives those under him an order, do they have to feel like it in order to do it? Hmm? All right, guys, you know, young men and women protecting us and, and fighting for us in different parts of the world today. They, instead of getting up and going to church this morning, they got up and they got their equipment ready and they're driving through town. They don't know if there's explosive devices in the street. They don't know if somebody's trying to shoot them uh, from a window. Do you think they felt like getting in the truck and going doing that? Huh? And when their orders came down, did they stop and go, let me see how I feel about that. <laughs> I don't feel good. about. I don't feel fuzzy and warm. Uh, I'm just not happy. I'm not excited about doing that today. They didn't ask them how they felt. Because following orders is not based on how you feel. And every branch of the military will make that perfectly clear to you. <laughs> that indoctrination Basic training then. You'll have no questions about that. Nobody asked you how you felt. Well, somebody said, yeah, but this is the church and, and we're more touchy-feely. We shouldn't be. I said we shouldn't be. The Bible said we are to endure hardness as good soldiers. Remember the centurion? Jesus said about him he had great faith. Where did he see his great faith? This is not a churchgoer. This is not a man who knows a bunch of Bible. This is a man who is a good soldier. He's a good fighter. He's progressed through the ranks and now has some leadership. Remember it? And this is what he says. Lord, I know if you'd just say the word, my servant will be healed. He said, because I understand this. When my superiors give me orders, I follow them. When I tell my soldiers, do this, they do it. When I say to my servant, go here, he goes. Nobody says anything about how they feel. And if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. We're not going to ask him how he feels about it. I don't ask myself how I feel about it. You say it, it's done. Oh, come on, can you see this? And this is the Keith Moore paraphrase. Jesus said, my, my, my. Now, boys, that's faith. I hadn't seen faith like this in all Israel. Well, that includes the bunch that's following him around. We've got to learn to not be so feely and feelings oriented. 
You step up to the captain of your salvation. You say, permission to be healed, sir. He says, soldier, you are healed. Thank you, sir. That's it. You don't ask how you feel. You don't wait to get the report. We got the word. We just had something come down from headquarters. What is it? You're healed. Okay, thank you. You don't check. All your needs are met. No need check bills. They're met. But see what people have done. They've not taken the word like that. They've read it like it was a suggestion. And went, oh, that's nice. Well, I wish that was true in my life. Do you have to accept it by faith? Are you still in Luke 6? Love your enemies. Can you do that? No matter how you feel. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Would you have to feel like doing it? I've had the Lord deal with me to send offerings to people. And it would have been the last thing I'd have done. At this particular time. And with those particular folks. But he didn't ask me how I felt about it. But see, people are led. They, you know, if the Lord leads them to do something, then they'll monitor to see if they think that person deserves that or not. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Can you do that? They're cursing you and you're blessing them. They are despitefully using you so you pray for them. Can you do this? I'm going to say, well, if you as a saint, maybe. You are. It's just time to act like one. <laughs> to him that smites you on the one cheek, offer the other. Him that takes away your cloak, forbid not to take your coat also. Give to every man that asks of you. Verse 31, as you would that men should do, do to them. He said, uh, if you love them that love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. This God kind of love loves those that despise you. Doesn't it? If you do good to them that do good to you, what thank have you? Sinners also do the same. Verse 35. Love your enemies. He says it again. And do good. Lend hoping for nothing again. Your reward will be great. You'll be children of the highest. He's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Said out loud, he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. You think he always feels like that, being kind? But he chooses to be. No matter what. Can you be kind to somebody who is unthankful and ungrateful and mean? You can. It's a decision that you make to obey the command. Now keep reading verse 36. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Verse 37, judge not and you shall not be judged, condemn not and you shall not be condemned, forgive and you shall be forgiven. 
This is the universal law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you reap. In fact, Matthew's account in Matthew 7, 2, he said, For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. If you judge, what will happen? You will be judged. If you condemn, what will happen? You'll be condemned. If you forgive, what will happen? You'll be forgiven. Whatever you sow and how you react and how you treat them, that's how it's going to be measured to you. We haven't really believed that like we should. If we did, it would make changes. How do you want God to deal with you? Well, he, how is he going to deal with me? Did you know there is a time when God won't forgive? I said, oh, Brother Keith. Absolutely. The Bible said, if you won't forgive your brother, he won't forgive you. Is that right? Have you read it? There are times that God won't forgive. Yeah, when you refuse to forgive, then he doesn't forgive you. Now, that's serious. I said, that's serious. Because if we're not forgiven, we're in trouble. We're not walking in righteousness before him. Our faith is undermined, etc., etc. So love shows mercy and love doesn't judge. That's what we're on today. Said out loud, love shows mercy. Love doesn't judge. Now, when you get on this subject of judging, it's very convoluted in people's minds. I think most every Christian knows you're not supposed to judge. And a lot of people are fond of quoting that when anybody asks them about what they've done. Right? Don't judge me. Don't judge. He didn't tell you to tell people not to judge you. He told you... Not to judge them. (laughs) And you see people all the time. They get defensive on stuff. Well don't judge me. Don't judge me. You're judging me. You're judging me. And that's the only application of this verse they use. Because the other is not convenient. (laughs) You're not supposed to tell people don't judge me. You're supposed to put it into practice that you're not judging them. What if they do judge me? Well, that's between them and God. But you'll have a full-time job seeing to you that you don't judge others. Because you'll be tempted to. I said you'll be tempted to. It's a daily thing. And so many folk don't even know how to deal with it or what's going on or what judging is. So they're just yielding to it right and left. If you look up the word judge, you'll find that the most basic definition is to decide. Somebody say decide. Decide. So if you judged somebody, what did you do? You decided something. 
concerning them. When you're saying you're deciding concerning that person, what do you mean? Well, you're deciding any number of things. You're deciding whether they're right or whether they're wrong. You're deciding whether they're guilty or whether they're innocent. You're deciding whether they deserve it or they don't deserve it. You're making a decision about it. And the thing that we've got to get our mind renewed to is that we don't have to make a decision concerning them. We're told not to. But through pride and ignorance and many other things, people think they have to pass a sentence about other people's situations. They have to declare whether they're right or wrong, guilty or innocent, whether they deserve it or whether they don't deserve it. We are not supposed to make a decision. Somebody say, don't make a decision. Don't decide about them. Now, you do need to judge yourself. You do need to make a decision. That's what it means when it talks about confess your sins. If we'll confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does it mean to confess? You acknowledge it and you call sin, sin with yourself. You don't come before the Lord and meander around and go, well, uh, I don't know. Some folks said I missed it. I don't know if I did or not. But if I did, Lord, you know, forgive me, whatever. Unacceptable. I mean, if you didn't sin, there's no reason to repent. Hmm? Well, Lord, I guess I messed up, but I, I couldn't help it. You know, they wouldn't help me, and, and I did this, and it really was beyond my control. You haven't repented. You didn't confess anything. Don't mess up an apology with an excuse. Did you get that now? Don't ruin a perfectly good apology with a dumb excuse. Do you know what I'm talking about or not? I'm sorry I did that. But you know, <laughs> you're not sorry. You're sorry you got caught. No. You make you decide and you go, Lord, I was wrong. That's sin. I did it. There's no excuse. I'm confessing it. And I ask you to forgive me. Now you're getting somewhere. You need to judge, decide about yourself. I was wrong. That's sin. I messed up. But when it comes to another person, you are not supposed to decide. I said you are not supposed to decide. You're not qualified. You're not the judge. And it's not the time. I want everybody to say that out loud. I'm not the judge. I'm not the judge. And it's not the time. For what? Judging. I'm not the judge. And yet you got people everywhere trying to act like they are. And there's no need pointing fingers or looking around. The question is, have you done it to make a decision to judge? Go with me to Romans, the second chapter, please. 
We just got through reading. It says judge not. Did he say try not to judge? No. No. He said don't do it. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Romans 2. Now there's a reason why I asked you to believe with me earlier. We're, I'm, I'm using my faith here. I'm expecting you to use your faith with me. We're coming up. How many believe you could see things about judging that you'd not seen before? Hmm? That you could get free. You could come into a new realm. How many understand if you're judging people every day that you're not keeping the love command? We're talking about how to keep the love command. If you're going to walk in love like he told you to, you got to quit judging. And there are many, 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 many Christians that are in a bad habit of judging. Everything somebody says or does, they think they got to add their two cents about it. They got to decree who's right, who's wrong. What's right? What's wrong? What they should have done? What they shouldn't have done? They deserve this. They don't deserve this. Well, that ain't right. How in the world could they do such a thing? I'd never do something like that. Well, I want you to see that being a judge is not a pretty thing. It reveals some serious flaws about you. Some serious character issues. If you are a judge... You are a hypocrite. Not my words. The Bible's words. In uh, Romans 2. Are you there? Romans 2. Verse 1. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you are that judges. Whoever you are. For wherein you judgest another. You condemnest yourself. Now let's just stop right here. When you judge somebody else, what did you just do? You just condemned yourself. What did the scripture say? Judge not, and you'll not, lest you be judged. Well, what if you judge? You will be judged. And you're going to be judged just like you judged. With the same measure, Matthew 7 says. This is serious stuff. We haven't talked enough about it. We haven't kept it in front of us. How many would already begin to stir up yourself and say, I am not going to judge? Huh? Even if you, whether you understand it all or not, you're on a quest now. Right? Right? You're setting your face. You're setting your heart. I'm going to learn about this. And I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit judging other people. And if you quit judging other people, how would that affect you? Oh, glory to God. Instead of getting judged and condemned, that means you're going to start getting mercy and grace and mercy and grace and mercy and grace yourself. And you are going to enjoy this much better. I assure you. Because by his grace, you will make it. You'll overcome. You'll come out. This is an answer for people right here in this room today that keep falling in areas of sin. They just keep falling in the same areas and they haven't connected the two that, oh, they feel lousy about it and they feel bad about it. But then they'll turn right around and get all bent out of shape with somebody else and judge them for their sin. And they don't realize then tomorrow they fall again and they're not connecting the two. 
Are you with me or not? Do you want to quit falling? And quit failing? Well, what do you got to do? You got to quit judging other people. You got to quit passing sentence. Making all these comments. About what they've done and what they hadn't done. We won't be able to cover every scenario this morning, but get the spirit of it. The spirit of judging. Now, now that just ain't right. That ain't right. Ah, how could they do that? Hmm? There's a spirit of superiority. Isn't it? Setting yourself up as their judge. And you are not the judge. And it is not the time. There is a judge. There's actually only one judge. And you're not it. And there is a time when all things are going to be judged. And it's not now. Let me go over this again slowly. There's one judge. You're not it. There's a time for judging. It's not now. I'm quoting scriptures. Are you with me here in Romans 2? You're inexcusable, O man, whoever you are that judges, for wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you that judges do the same things. Now, whether you're able to connect that all in your mind or not, how many believe it's true? That if you judge somebody else... You're guilty of the same thing. Well, no, no, I'd never do that. You are doing it. It might not look the same in the flesh, but it is the same. It's in James he talked about this. In fact, turn over there. Turn to the book of James, please. Second chapter. James 2. Said out loud, we're getting free. From judging. We're going to keep the love command. Love shows mercy. Love doesn't judge. James 2. Are you there? James 2. Now he gives us. You know so many times we'll, we'll read a verse about something. And not look at the previous verses. He's given us examples of judging. And let's get these. Verse 1. Brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. If there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that wears the gay clothing and says to him, sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor, will you stand over there or sit here at my footstool, under my footstool? Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become what? Judges Judges of evil thoughts. Now see, when we think about judging, you don't always think this way. What did this person, what did these people do in judging? How did they judge? They made a decision, right? Who is deserving to sit where? Do you see this? Based on what? External appearance. Right? 
They decided, Mr. Big Stuff, with his expensive suit, should sit in the best seat. He's deserving of the good seat. And Mr. Poor with no good clothes is not deserving. They, they made a decision. Or are you listening to me, guys? They made a decision. Well, they are not deserving to sit there. And they didn't make this. They weren't trying to be led by the Spirit. They passed a sentence, a decision based on looking at clothes. The Scripture said in John 7, 24, Don't judge according to the outward appearance. But judge righteous judgment. The Lord, man looks on the outward appearance, it says in Samuel, but God looks at the heart. Some say, well, how do do I know? How can I uh, know how to treat people and, and what to do and who ought to be where and do what? You just need to be led by the Spirit. And not try to pass a sentence on whether you think they're deserving or undeserving. And the Lord deals with you, well, do this with them, put them here, put them there. And if you think, well, I don't know, are they deserving? Nobody asked you. Are y'all with me on this or not? Nobody asked you. You are not qualified to say. And here, oh, come on, guys, get this in your spirit. You don't have to. You don't have to say. I've had people, you know, I've had people uh, try to corner me and go, well, Brother Keith, did you hear about what happened with so-and-so? Yeah. What do you think about it? I don't. Oh, I know you got an opinion. Yeah, I got one, and I'm not even going to think about it myself. (laughs) Well, I want to know, what do you think? I'm not supposed to. Are y'all with me on this or not? I'm not supposed to. Was it right or wrong? Were they right? Why do I have to make a call? Do you see this now? Why do I have to say? Whether they're guilty or innocent. Whether they're deserving or not. Why do I have to say? I don't have to say. In fact, I'm commanded not to. There ought to be a lot of times we say, I'm not saying. I don't know. I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. Why? I am not to judge. This is not the time. Because see, you know what you saw on the outside. But that is not the whole story. And a lot of times people didn't even see it themselves. They heard it fourth hand. Right? And don't have a clue what really happened. Now, until you've been the recipient of some of this, you may not understand. But I... You know, in the ministry, the more people know you, the more people see you, the more opportunity there is. We've had people just ready to write us off. And uh, you, you wonder why. Well, what's wrong with them? They're so upset over what you did, Brother Keith. What did I do? Come to find out, it was a total fabrication. Yeah. 
But see, they judge me. Right? You've had it happen to you. Right? And have you done it to somebody else? Well, if you've been sowing it, you shouldn't be surprised if you reap it. (laughs) Right? Let's stop sowing it. Let's stop sowing it. I said, let's stop sowing. Let's stop. Let's stop. What does that mean? Well, what did they do? Well, it doesn't matter what they did. God loves them. I love them. I'm rooting for them. Hmm? What they did is awful. I don't have to say whether it was awful or not. What do you think about it? I'm I'm not going to let myself. I don't have to make a call. You're watching a baseball game. And you know, was it a strike? Were they safe? Are they out? There's only one person has to make that call. (laughs) The ump. Right? And I'm not the ump. So I don't have to make the call. He's got to make the call. He's the ump. I don't. Say it out loud. I'm not the umpire. I don't have to make a call. In fact, I'm commanded not to make a call. I'm commanded to. Are you in Judges? I mean, excuse me, James 2? <laughs> Judges. <laughs> James 2? He said, verse 12 in the same chapter, read on down to there. He said, uh, uh, 9, let me back up to that, uh, 8. If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin. Do you see, if you're judging, you're not loving. Showing respect to persons is a form of judging. And, and you are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. He that said do not commit adultery also said don't kill. Now if you uh, commit no adultery, yet if you kill, you are become a transgressor of the law. But see what, see what he's talking about. This is somebody who is a killer, but they're bragging because they're not an adulterer. <laughs> huh? Well, I ain't no adulterer. I may be a lot of things, but I ain't no adulterer like that. Yeah, but you're a murderer. So... Now go back to Luke 6. Every time somebody judges, this is happening. Not sometimes. Every time you, me, anybody judges, this is happening. You're condemning them for something. You're doing something just as bad. You're a hypocrite. This happens every time. Not some of the time. Every time. Luke 6. You read part of it. Let's read some more of it. And uh, did you keep your place in James? Good. Luke 6. He said. uh, What verse did you get to last time? Yeah. 
Uh, skip down to 41. 41. Well, 39. Can the blind lead the blind? Huh? Somebody said, you blind. I got to show you the way. Yeah, but ain't you blind too? <laughs> Never mind that. I can show you the way. <laughs> huh? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? <laughs> and we got a lot of folk in the ditch. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in your own eye? Now notice the thing, that they perceived not. They're going on and on about this thing in the brother's eye, and they are not aware of something that's bigger A moat is a small thing. A beam is a big thing. Verse 42. Either how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me pull out the moat that is in your eye. When you yourself behold not the beam. Now see, he didn't perceive it. He didn't see it. The beam that is in your own eye. What's the next phrase? What's the next phrase? You are a hypocrite. Cast out first the beam out of your own eye. Then you shall see clearly to pull out the moat that's in your brother's eye. See, the moment you get to acting superior and go, you got something in your eye. (laughs) Yes, you do. You got something in your eye. You got something in your life and I perceive it. Uh, Yes, sir, I picked it up. You got some stuff in your life. You got some stuff that's not right, and you need to get it right. Well, people need to turn this perception beam on their self. Don't they? The moment you start talking like that, you are a hypocrite. Friend, this will help you tremendously if you'll just make this one adjustment. Are y'all listening to me? Yes, this is so vital now. It's one of the most important things we're getting to today. The moment you see or think you see something in another person's life, you should immediately do this. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear me? Yes. Yes. Did y'all hear me or not? Yes. The moment you see or think you see Something in your brother's life, your wife, your husband, your child, your grandchild, your parent, your neighbor, whoever. What should you do? The moment you think, I, I see something. Look here. If you'll train yourself to do this, it'll stop you from judging. Because you know what will happen again and again. You'll see something. You'll see something. You're getting all worked up about them and you go, oh man, (laughs) it's no wonder I don't like that. I've been living with it. The reason I'm so aggravated in them is because I'm annoyed with it in me. 
And once you have overcome that in your own life, only then are you really ready and able to help them with theirs. And you won't be ready to judge them. You'll just be ready to help them. Get past it. And you can help them because you've already dealt with yours. You found out how. Oh, can you see this, friend? Let me go over this again now. The moment you see something in somebody else, what do you do? You check yourself. Huh? I said you check yourself. The moment you see, I, I see that. Oh, that's, ooh, that's a problem. Look right here. Look right here. Practice. If somebody does something that's despicable and bad, you ought to immediately look here. Am I doing that? Am I doing that? And if you don't sit right away, start praying on, Lord, help me not to do that. Not them. Help me. Help me not to do that. Judging yourself. Do you see this, friends? Elsewise, what are you? You're a hypocrite. You don't want to be a hypocrite. Do you? Go back to James, please. James 4. And then also find uh, Romans 14. James 4, Romans 14. Can you stay with me a little bit longer here this morning? This is important. If we really got a hold of this and quit judging. What if this whole church quit judging? Glory to God. Well, I'll, I'll show you what will happen in just a few minutes. <laughs> Hmm, thank you, Master. (laughs) Just a minute. Did you find James 4 and what else? Romans 14. Said out loud, I'm not a hypocrite because I'm not a judge. In uh, James 4, verse 10, humble yourselves. In the sight of the Lord, he'll lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and what? Now see, we saw, we're seeing different sides of judging. God's teaching us about it. You got to identify it before you're going to quit it. You got to see that you're doing it before you know what to quit. We saw previously respect of persons. Judging by outward appearance. Making a decision. This one's deserving. This one's not. That's judging. We're stopping it. Here's another one. Speaking evil about somebody. Is judging. Let me read another translation. The English version says. Do not criticize one another. My brothers. Whoever criticizes a Christian brother. Or judges him. Criticizes the law and judges it. And if you judge the law, then you're no longer one who obeys the law, but one who judges it. Say this out loud. I can't be, I can't be a, judge a judge and, and a, doer. a doer. What if you're a judge? You're a hypocrite. We already saw that. Why would you be a hypocrite? Because you're not doing 
what you're judging them for. Take the area of finances. You know, we've gotten ugly grams about, you know, well, preachers, why you got such a nice house? You know, why you got such a nice airplane? Why y'all spend so much money on this church building? Y'all could put more money into missions. What are they doing? They're judging us. Oh, well, I'm not judging y'all. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what you're doing. You just judged us. Hmm? What else do we know? They're hypocrites. Why? Well, you could sell that new car and feed the poor. You could sell that plane and feed people. What do we know? Hypocrites. They are not doing anything remotely like they're suggesting we should do. First of all, they don't know what we're doing. How do you know we're not feeding anybody? How do you know we're not helping the poor? How do you know? What do you know? They don't. And if the problem is a lot of folk don't want to know. They just want to judge. They don't want to know. But they're hypocrites. Well, you could sell that watch and put that money in the ministry. Well, you could sell your Timex and put it in the ministry. You don't need two loaves of bread. Sow one of those loaves. You could sell that car and ride a bicycle, ride the bus, and put that other money in the ministry. You are a hypocrite. You're not doing what you say others should be doing. Oh, can you see this? The moment somebody starts talking that way, you know. If they're a judge, they're a hypocrite, they're not a doer. These are not my words. We read them to you from Romans 2 and James 4. You don't have to know the particulars. You don't have to know any of the details. When somebody opens their mouth and starts judging, you know. Hypocrite. They're not a doer. Keep reading. He said, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. The last part says, If you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse 12. Oh, get this, get this. Are you there? Verse 12 says what? There's how many? How many? There is one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Who are you that judges another? Who's talking here? God is talking here. Do I hear some tone in this? Huh? Did God say, who are you that judges? We might say today, who do you think you are judging? Well, if somebody judges, who must they think they are? They must think they're the judge. But they're not. How many judges are there? There is one. Come on, get this, get this. Now, there is one Lawgiver, there is one judge, one, right. one, and you're not it, That's right. and I'm not it, That's right. one, right. just one, yes, sir. <laughs> one lawgiver, one judge, just one, and we all know who that is. Who are you that judges another? Go to Romans 14 now. He says, 
some complimentary things here. Complimentary to that verse. Romans 14. Now, I'm excited about this. Are you? We're getting light to see what is judging. We're seeing examples of it right now. This is a third practical example of judging. Verse 1. 14 of Romans. Romans 14.1. Him that is weak in the faith. Receive ye. But not to doubtful disputations. That's arguing. And fussing. For one believes. He may eat all things. Another who is weak. Eats herbs. Let not him that eats. Despise him that eats not. Let not him which eats not. Judge him that eats. For God has received him. Who are you? We've heard this before. (laughs) Who are you that judges another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, and he shall be holding up because God's able to make him stand. Somebody say one judge. And I'm not him. One judge. Now how to. Here's a practical example of judging. How are they judging each other here? Their beliefs. Well I believe it's okay to do that. Hmm? People judge each other all the time about this stuff. Well I heard they drink wine. I saw him smoking a cigarette. I saw him smoking a big old cigar. And they talked to him and he said, well, that don't bother me. I love the Lord. I smoke. So. What do you got to say about that? That's weak. <laughs> well, I take a drink here and there. It don't bother me. I love the Lord. What do you got to say about that? Not one thing. (laughs) Well, boy, she wears her skirt short, don't she? (laughs) We are all at different levels of faith. Different levels of knowing God and believing God. And that's what he's talking about in this whole chapter. He said one person... Their heart bothers them about this. And so they made a change. The other person, they said, don't bother them. Hmm? Someone said, well, everybody knows that's wrong. Who said you had to call it? Everybody knows. Everybody knows it ain't right to do that. You're going, no, no, I'm the umpire and I say it ain't right. You are not the umpire. You are not the judge. Nobody asked you. In fact, God told you not to have an opinion. Not to call it. Are y'all with me? (laughs) Judging. Well, see, they had a big deal over, you know, they went to the market. And I know that that sheep... 
that had been sacrificed to that false goddess. And they brought that thing home and cooked it and ate it. They need to go to the right place and get their meat that hadn't been offered. Well, and then one guy was saying, I, I don't even acknowledge that goddess. I sanctified it and ate it. Amen. Well, it ain't right. And they're judging and they're passing sentence about you're wrong and that's not right and you shouldn't do that and you better quit that and you shouldn't do this and you better start doing this while I do. (laughs) And this is what's keeping churches tiny. Because if somebody that's up to their eyeballs in the world in sin were to come by. And they don't, their, their big problem is not their drugs or their alcohol or their sex, is that they don't know God. They don't know God. But if all they hear is you gotta change this and this ain't right, you better do this, you better quit this, and all they understand is, man, I, how can I ever do this? I, I can't fix all this and measure all, and they're right, they can't. In and of themselves, they can't. Besides that, we shouldn't care so much about that. What we should care about is, do you know God? Are you drawing closer to God? Because what's going to happen when they draw close to God? He's going to show them things. And as they grow and develop, they will be able to judge themselves. Can any of you look back 10 years? I'm I'm talking about myself now. 30 years ago. I was doing some stuff that wasn't the best. I love God. I did. And as I grew and got more word in me, I'd go, you know, maybe I ought to quit this. (laughs) Right? But I was not wanting anybody to come ride me about it. Are you with me now? Yes, I didn't want anybody come riding me and bugging me about it. Amen. Especially telling me I'm lost. Right. That's right. Telling me I don't love the Lord and I knew I did. Are y'all with me? Yes. We'll wonder if we grow another 15 years. If we'd look back to now. And go, whoo. <laughs> we were doing some stuff that wasn't too hot. Let me tell you what the Lord cares more about than a puff of smoke or a drink with some alcohol or a short skirt. Judging. I said judging because that's of the heart. That's not of the outside. That's on the inside. Judge not and you won't be judged. Show mercy. Show compassion. Can you say amen? Amen. Where are you? Romans 14. 14. Boy, this whole chapter is wonderful. Skip down to verse 10. Why do you judge your brother? Why do you set it not your brother? We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It is written as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. Somebody say, okay. Okay. 
I am done with judging. I am through with it. I am not the judge. This is not the time. There's coming a time. Hmm? And the thing I ought to be concerned about is myself. Hmm? Turn to 1 John, 4th chapter. I think I can close with this. This is so big we could go on the rest of the day, but it's not all the details that's the thing. It's the spirit of the thing. Spirit of the thing. You believe you're getting into you, the spirit of the thing? Let me say this one more time to you. When you see a problem in somebody else, or you thought you saw a problem, tell me what's the first thing you do. Tell me. You notice. You notice something. They said something that wasn't good. They did something that wasn't good. You notice it. It stands out to you. What do you do? You go right here. And you begin to look in yourself. Do I do that? Have I said that? You thought you saw a moat in their eye. What do you do? What do most people do? What do most people do? They go, Mo, something in your eye, bro. Stand still. Let me look. No, be still. Yeah, it's there. I see it. Plain as day. Brother, you got a moat. And God has given me the gift of moat discernment. I got the eye. What's the truth? What's the truth? The truth is, I got a beam. A beam. What's a beam? Railroad timber. I got a tie, railroad tie, beam in my eye, and I'm so spiritually dense, I don't even see it. Why? Why in the world could you miss a beam? Because you're not looking for anything in yourself. You only look for problems in others. That's the only way you could miss a beam. Because you're not even looking. Somebody say, there's a barn back there. You go, I don't see it. I don't see any barns at all. Why don't you see them? Because you refuse to look that direction. If you would ever once look, it'd be obvious. Again, you see something. It's not good. You see a problem or you think you do. Tell me what you do. Tell me. Tell me. Huh? Immediately you go. Right here. Focus here. And begin to look. Am I doing that? Have I done that? Lord help me not to do that. Judge yourself. What would happen. And we said earlier. If the whole church here at Faith Life Church. Stopped judging. And every time somebody tried to rile you up or get you over in the corner and get you to talk about somebody, you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I don't know what's in their heart. For all I know, they've already repented and got right with God. Hmm? I don't know. It's not, I'm not supposed to call it. 
I don't have to call it. Well, I just think this. Well, you think what you want to. I'm not going to let myself. What if the whole church was doing that? Hmm? Look here in 1 John and you'll see what would happen. There would be an opening of heavenly proportions. Somebody say opening. An opening and enlargement. And increase. Es dibede e devotos nalak. Eflamumbo brindis ne untachte. And this is what I've been preparing you for. An enlargement. An increase. It is ban itzda. Of numungri benilak. Of dobrobeleninja. You cannot receive until you open. Until you enlarge. Until you're ready to embrace. But there is coming an increase. An increase. An enlargement. And you are preparing and opening your heart to receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many know God is wise? And everything he has done with us is headed somewhere. You understand this? I mean, he knows in from the beginning. This is not, it might seem uh, unconnected to us, but it's not. There's a plan here. I don't know it all. You don't know it all. But if we follow one step at a time, how many know he has brought us from somewhere and he's taking us to somewhere, right? And we're not waiting on him. He's preparing us. And this is uh, prerequisite. We've got we've to advance in our love walk to advance in the other areas. We've got to grow in this to qualify for the next. First John 4. What if the whole church begin to walk in love on this level and ceased judging? First John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Perfected love. That, or we could say in order that, we may have boldness when? When? Boldness on that day? We're talking about the day. When people stand before the throne and give an account of what they did in their life in the body. And instead of trying to hide behind something, you stand right out front and center. Bold. On judgment day. Bold. And what's the roots of this boldness? Love. Perfected love. Why? Keep reading. Keep reading. Because as he is, so are we in this world. He is righteous. He is holy. He is pure. He is just. So are we. There's no way. Yeah, because it's his righteousness. 
that we've received. Somebody said, yeah, but you've sinned. Yeah, and he paid for it. So it's not there before the Lord. Yeah, but you messed up. You failed in so many ways. Yeah, and he was judged for it in my place and yours. Read the next verse. What does it say? There is no fear in love. Oh, glory to God. We are here. Do you know why thousands of people without God are not in here today? Fear. Fear. People are afraid of what somebody might think about them, what somebody might say to them. Huh? People are afraid of being judged. Oh, can you see this? Do you know why teenagers don't talk to their parents? You know why husbands don't talk to wives? And wives don't talk to husbands? Parents don't talk to children. Children don't talk to parents. It is astonishing how much families don't talk. They choke up. They can't talk about the simplest things. They just try to ignore it and go on. Why? Why don't they talk? Fear. Fear. Why won't they open up with each other? Fear. Fear. Fear of what will they say? Why don't teenagers tell their parents their problems? Fear of their reaction. Fear of what they'll say. Fear of what they'll do. Fear of what they'll think about me. Fear. But there is no fear in love. What if people had confidence that no matter what, we'd love them? We wouldn't judge them? Oh, come on now. Come on. What if all of Branson and Harrison and Springfield knew if they came here, we wouldn't judge them? What? Hmm? People selling their bodies. People lying and stealing. But they knew we'd love them and wouldn't judge them. Hmm? People had come. I said, people will come. They'll come from everywhere. What if your kids knew? You wouldn't judge them. You'd love them. They'd tell you everything. They'd open up to you. And your spouse would. And your friends would. Can you see this? What has this fear done? Fear has choked. Families and relationships and marriages and churches has choked it and strangled it until people just... They can't even talk. They can't even say, I love you. Can't say anything. They won't share anything. Why? Afraid of being judged. Afraid of what you'll think about me. Afraid. So they live with these walls. They live with this coldness. No more. I said no more. In the name of Jesus, no more. No more. Say it out loud. I'm not a judge. I'm commanded to love. I'm not commanded to judge. I'm told not to judge. 
we may know, I mean, it may be obvious from the Bible that something they did is wrong. We may not be in question about whether it was wrong or right, but judging them and why they did it and how they did it, I don't know their heart. I don't know their past. I don't know their future. I'm not qualified. So I don't say. And I don't feel pressure because I don't have to say. I don't have to. And I know no matter what, God still loves them. Right? And I still do. And that's what counts. And no matter what, I believe all things are possible to him that believes so we can get past it. I know we can. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.